0: Hello, this is Peter Levesque. Welcome to Episode 2 of the Knowledge Exchange Podcast. This podcast series is a product generously supported by the Canadian Council on Learning, Canada's leading organization committed to improving learning across Canada and across all walks of life. I again want to thank the Associate Director of Knowledge Exchange, Mr. Darrell Rock, and his great staff at CCL for all their efforts with this project to advance our understanding of knowledge exchange to improve the learning of Canadians. You can download this episode as well as episode 1 or the 18 future episodes in the series from my website at www.knowledgemobilization.net or from iTunes directly to search for KM podcast. Alternatively, go to knowledgeexchange.automatic.com. Transcripts and French language translation of these transcripts will be available shortly. The conversation that you're about to hear took place in downtown Vancouver on Wednesday, March 14th, 2007 at the Hampton Inn with Sean Muir, executive director of the Healthy Aboriginal Network based in Vancouver. As you can tell from the background noise, there was a lot going on in the quiet corner that we found. Although I tried to clean up some of this during the editing process, trucks and buses are just part of our urban landscape. The first time that I met Sean I was impressed with his passion and considered perspective in dealing with difficult issues. I was very impressed with the results he was obtaining from a simple product, a comic book on suicide prevention. This knowledge exchange tool is an example of how innovation doesn't always come with all the bells and whistles, but sometimes in using a tool that we know well in a different way. In this podcast, you will hear Sean talk about youth engagement, using storytelling, that the content can be serious even if the format doesn't look serious. Sean will talk about the challenges of evaluating innovation and new uses for things that we think we know well. Sean shares his challenges of working across silos, of making sure that Aboriginal voices are included in everything that they do, and through all of this I can hear his hopefulness that others will begin to look at the old problems in new ways and that we will come to solutions together. It was a privilege to talk to Sean, and I hope you enjoy listening as much as I did. I'm I'm sitting here in the Hampton Inn in Vancouver with uh,
1: Sean Muir. Sean, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, I work for the Healthy Aboriginal Network. We do nonprofit promotion of Aboriginal health, literacy, and wellness. Essentially, we create comics on health and social issues uh, for youth and animated shorts as well. And how long have, have you been doing this? I guess since January 2005.
0: And uh, tell us a little bit about, about the comic book project, because that's really the, the project that, that
1: piqued my interest. In uh, it started off, I guess, a couple of years ago when uh, I had an, there, there was a fund out for asking for innovative health promotion ideas. And initially I wanted to use video or television or a computer or something, but it was very expensive. And so I had an idea, I had a memory. It started off as a memory as a kid and reading comic books. And so we'd read, we'd read together, and, and, but this one kid always finished much quicker than I did. So I asked him, like, how do you read so fast? And he said, well, I, I don't. I look at the pictures and I get the idea of what's going on. And I remember that kid in school, like, he was a terrible reader. He was a great, you know, he, he had low literacy. I just kind of, got a, more of a lark than anything else, sent out this proposal to create a comic on, on health issues, uh, on the issues that youth thought were important. Right. So how did you find out what youth thought was important? I simply ask them. You ask them? It's, well, I know. It's, <laughs> it seems so silly. But, but youth are rarely asked what their opinion is on things. They are mostly told. Right. And so um, it's amazing if you ask a youth a question or ask for their in- more, of a, more of their, in- their inputs. We're going to deliver this to you, whether it's a program, whether it's... doesn't matter what it is. How do you want it delivered to you? It's amazing what they'll tell you. Various
0: organizations have described um, knowledge exchanges, bringing people and evidence together to influence behavior. How does comic books influence behavior?
1: I think that um, whenever you have a resource that that you like, I think that you got a much get, there's a much higher chance of having buy-in. Uh, if you ask any parent, like how many times has your kid seen Shrek? Any you of know, the animated shorts? You know, they'll say, you know, in a lot of cases, dozens. And kids love it, and, and I think I mean, and that's how you teach kids. It's in school. There's repetition. Algebra isn't taught solely once and moved on. It's gone over and over and over.
0: So they read these comic books over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And so how do you how do you design the comic book to make sure that what's included in it is good evidence?
1: How how we get re- repetition or or, or increased or, or more exposures, I guess, is it's got to be good content. Right. So first of all, it's all our stuff is story based. It's not suicide this, suicide that, or diabetes this, diabetes that. It's it, it, we we create a story, and so that's how we get buy-in from you.
0: So why don't you tell me a little bit of the story around around suicide? That's an issue that that has interested me for a while, and I'm I'm astounded by the. the the levels of suicidality in in Aboriginal populations in Canada, even when you just compare them to the the rest of the population. So what's the story in the comic book around suicide?
1: Uh, The story is about a First Nations youth that uh, has difficulty in school, he's picked on, he's not understood by his teacher, he's socially isolated. One day he just finds too much. He just has an awful, terrible day and he considers taking his life. And uh, an elder comes in and, and intervenes on his, uh, with him and tells him a story. And he's transported to this uh, mystical world where, where, where uh, these two spirits, we sack and we need to go fight over, uh, over his fate. And in the end, Kyle ends up standing up for himself and saying, I, I don't want to die. I don't believe in the things you say about me. You don't have any power over me. I don't, don't want to die. And he defeats the evil, be- evil, evil spirits. And I think that, I mean, that part is, you know, is not necessarily so relatable, but certainly the kids, the the fantasy part of it, they love the fantasy part of it, but the part that's relatable where you get the real buy-in is up front. Right. When you tell the kids, you know, hey, school's tough, school's hard, you know, life is tough at that age, um, and they find it really relatable. So you've had great success with this particular one. How many of these have you produced? Uh, 43,000 so far have been sold across Canada to date. And that compares to something like Spider-Man... I think they do like fifty thousand.
0: So, so you you're right up there in terms of of the, of the impact. What about the story? Tell us the story that not about the story of the comic book, but the story of how it's being used. We I think
1: that the comic book is being used more as an icebreaker okay. in a lot of cases to get youth um, talking about suicide prevention or our feelings. I, I've been to suicide prevention conferences and, and, and the, when people ask youth, hey, what do you feel about suicide? Well, they just they just shut right down. The wall goes right up. But if you can show them a video, which kind of they find relatable, they like, they're interested, they're much more likely to start talking about it or or, or or read a comic that they like. We hear from parents who say that you know their kids won't read anything, but they'll their kids will read that comic over and over again. I know that school teachers are using them uh, for having their students write book reports. Kids with low literacy who can't get through a novel.
0: So so it's more than just the the, the health promotion. Do you? I mean, oh, one yeah. of the, one of the the, the, the in talking with the Canadian Council on Learning, I mean, they're concerned about lifelong learning and of creating a context that that allows for ongoing learning.
1: Do you do you see that the learning outcomes for youth will change because of this uh, this comic book? I would hope so. Um, I think that mostly it's mostly teenagers who are reading our comics, but I certainly get a lot more people who I get a lot of people who, who write in who are in their twenties and thirties and even forties who say that you know I, I read comics when I was a kid, right, and uh, and I just I just love the book. I, so what? You know, comic books aren't seen as serious.
0: I mean, no. they're seen as, uh, you know, they're they kids' stuff. They're, uh, but this is pretty serious stuff. I mean, the content. I've read them. And the content is is serious, and it's and it's grounded, and it's put into a way that people can understand. What would you say to to an agency or an organization that says the comic books aren't serious?
1: Well, it depends on the content. I mean, they're not meant to be funny. They're not haha. They're not Archie's. They're not. I mean, they're. It's you can tell a story. You can tell a serious story and still have elements of humor in there. You can still, you can still have health elements, learning elements. It's about telling a story and then Im- and then about embedding bits of information in the story, so that's not overpowering, it's more subtle.
0: You're um, you're not a cartoonist. No. So maybe for someone, for an agency or an organization that's listening to this that w- would think about producing a comic book around a health matter or an education matter or a public safety matter. What's the process that you went through in order to produce something like this? And maybe talk a little bit about the challenges of getting the kind of broad
1: distribution that you had. The first challenge is, is always um, is finding the money. Right. So we always do that first. Once we have the money, then we need a story. And we typically just ask the funder, like, point us in a direction. Give us a couple of ideas of what you want covered. We don't want them to say, here's 20 things I want covered, because, well, then you might as well create a pamphlet if there's 20 things you want covered, or a brochure. They'll push us in a certain direction, and then we'll find us, uh, we'll put, we have a a stable of artists and storytellers that we deal with uh, across Canada. There's about maybe seven or eight across Canada we deal with. Point them in a direction, create a story with this idea in mind. So they'll tell a story, and sometimes um, we'll have a script at the end of that. Sometimes some of the artists we use are aren't well; they're not writers, but they're they're storytellers. And so maybe they draw it out pictorially first. Right. Uh, one one of our guys does that. He he can't write for for anything, but he tells <laughs> a hell of a story. And if he draws it out in a in a comic book frame, then it's fantastic. Right. So we'll create the storyboard. We've tried in the past to run those scripts uh, path youth youth focus groups and health professional focus groups. And well, no one has the time or the interest to read a nine-page single-space manuscript. They just, they just can't be bothered. So, uh, what I found out years ago is that I had to create something visually. I had to create something on a ticket play at their home on their DVD player, or or on their computer at work. And so we take those, uh, we take the story, we, we turn it into a, a black and white storyboard, just of uh, just pencil sketches. Right. We have the artist tell the story. And we pan through each individual shot. Uh, we pan in and out and side to side. We give it motion. Essentially, we create a little animated short. It's actually called an animatic. And then we have no problems getting youth to to watch a focus or to watch this video and answer questions. So, so you
0: actually you actually take your animatic to youth and you you run it through a focus group with them. Yes. And they actually sit through this. Oh yeah.
1: Really? Yeah. Twelve minutes, twenty-five minutes. We've done both. Uh, I can go into a room where kids are jumping off the walls, going bananas, and you turn on the TV and you start the story, and they hear the voice and they see the images, and that's it. They're locked.
0: Right. Well, what sort of response do you get from them? I mean, you know, they're watching it, but are, what's the conversation after they've seen it? What sort of comments are they providing
1: back to you? Well, we first tell them like, you know, what, how often do adults ask you your opinion on something? We sort of frame it in that, you know, we're looking to get your opinion. This is just something. This is just a rough draft. Right. Of a comic book, we need your opinion to finish it off. Are the characters authentic? Is the language authentic? Uh, does this happen? You know, what do you find relatable? Do you know anyone that's you know, or do you have a friends that are, are like this? Has this ever happened to you? And it's amazing, you know, the questions they'll answer
0: one of the, um, uh, we've had this conversation before about evaluating the outcome or the effectiveness of using comic books. What sort of things are you thinking about now in terms of making sure that the way that you're going about do- doing this and the content and the images that you put forward are the, the best possible content and images? What What sort of what are you doing to, to support that process now?
1: Uh, our first comic that's being evaluated is our, our CCL uh, comic, the Staying in School comic book. Uh, the National Association of Friendship Centers is doing that. Um, we just went through a three-city tour, Vancouver, Thunder Bay, and Winnipeg, and did the focus groups and we're waiting for the report, should be out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll color the comic, get it ready, finish it off, and then, and then CCL will, uh, will, uh, will have an evaluation. What that evaluation is going to look like, I- I'm not entirely sure. But there, there is this this entire
0: process, this ongoing conversation in many different places, to make sure that as a tool, this this kind of form of knowledge exchange is is reaching the audience in the most effective way.
1: Yeah, I think the idea is what did learn, what did youth glean from the video, um, whether they actually stayed in school longer. I mean, that that's you're talking about s- several years, and you'd have to test you know thousands of kids, and I mean, that, I think that would be quite difficult. What did the comic teach the kids? What did they glean from it? I I think that can be measured for sure.